Keys with it. Man, He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. Rubs his nose. Yeah. What about to McCullum, Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. He might try and slide one in there. Fast. Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Tim Williams. Joining me today is last year's Supercoach Big Bash champion, Tomo Aitken. Tomo, how are you going, mate? Yeah, good. It's all heating up in the Big Bash. Excited to talk about it and also excited that we've got a special guest on the podcast with us today. We do, mate. Mate, they're calling it the biggest debut in Australian cricket since about oh, about eighteen hours ago, and Ollie Davies lit it up for the Thunder. <laughs> it is a, uh, it's Michael Fisher or Fish as we call him. Fish is a bit of a super coach gun himself. He's been writing a stack of articles for us throughout the season and in the preseason. Uh, we finally got him on the podcast. Fish, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Timmy, and uh, thanks for talking me up. I, I like how you talk me up, even though. <laughs> You uh, finished runner-up yourself in NRL and, and Tomo, I think, is the only guy I've ever heard of to win fantasy comps in two different sports in the same year. So, mate, uh, appreciate it. Mate, nervous in the, in the presence of Tomo. I still can't go over the fact that he won two comps this year or last year. That is just ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> mate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tomo, for, for the listeners out there, um, just so they don't think you're a complete dribbler like most of us, mate, tell us a bit, a, a bit about your background in cricket and uh, a bit of your super coach background. Yeah, sure. So my background in cricket is in administration. So I worked for Queensland Cricket for about 10 years and, and still sort of work pretty actively in the, in the cricket network. So I know a little bit about different competitions and systems and things like that. So particularly locally in, in Queensland and uh, Supercoach NRL's definitely been my favourite uh, sport for that. I uh, had a couple of top 100 finishes, a couple of top 500s and uh, a best of ninth in 2014. So I was stoked with that even though it was a, a long time ago. And uh, BBL, <clears throat> haven't done as good, but being a bit of a fantasy sports nerd, I've, I've always played that uh, right back from when it was a, a different format. Uh, in fantasy BBL and, and took up Supercoach as soon as they started that as well. So done okay in that over the years uh, with with a few sort of top thousands, uh, although I haven't kept uh, as good a track of the rankings. But, um, yeah, it's always good fun in summer anyway. So, yeah, got a little bit of experience. That's the way, mate. I think this year could be the year top 10 finish. And, mate, how have you, uh, how have you started off this year so far? What's uh, the last, particularly last week or so? How's the side tracking? What's gone well for you? What's gone wrong? Yeah, I've started okay. I'm ranked about 3,000th or so coming into this round and I'm pretty happy with my squad. I think sort of the main blunder I made early on was a late trade-in for Andre Fletcher even though I wasn't really all that keen on him. I panicked a bit when Nick Larkin was named to bat down the order a little bit but you know Fletcher really could have gone either way being an opening batsman. It's just the way that the batsmen are. And I, I was a bit bummed to miss out on James Faulkner too. I was just short of him uh, by a couple hundred dollars uh, in the second round for a trade-in. So other than that, I've been doing all right. Um, this round, I'm on about 400 with uh, seven to play tonight, including Khan as captain and uh, not including Kerry, having been ruled out late. And uh, the, the, as far as what's gone right this round, uh, Dan Christian was just outstanding to watch, which I, I'm sure Tom will talk a bit about as well being a big Sixers fan and uh, uh, gone wrong. I, I was lucky enough to get Pettersit all last round, so I, I banked those points. But, uh, yeah, I was, was bummed to see that uh, he was in single figures so far, so hopefully he can turn that around tonight. Yeah, that's it, mate. Uh, pretty tidy enough start there. So you, you're tracking all right going forward, especially if the squad's looking all right. Um, and just a heads up, we are recording this just before the final game of round three, so that's the, the strikers' second game of their double round tonight. Um, so if we're behind on that, that's why. Uh, Tomo, mate, how's your side looking? Yeah, I'm tracking on okay. I think I'm about 1,800 from memory. And Fish, I'm with you there with um, Dan Christian. Let's just take a little bit of a minute to appreciate how good he was, you know. My sixes were in trouble when he came to the crease at about 3 for 58, and he just completely changed that match in an instant 
you know, mammoth sixes, the second fastest BBL 50 of all time. And then, you know, chipped in with one wicket with the ball in a pretty economical spell. So I was very happy with him uh, from a super coach and a fan perspective last round. Also, a fellow that I brought in last round more as a schedule pick, but he continues to surprise me, is Worrell. The way he just charged in and, you know, he swung the ball and was unplayable and troubled Philippi and Edwards. Um, and I'm excited tonight at the Gabba to see if he can swing that ball and look as dangerous. Um, so I'm happy with those two, especially this round. Uh, Carey is a bit of a cross missing the game today. Um, I'm not the only one. I'm sure there's lots out there. It's a bit disappointing, but hey, that's the world we live in, that super coach. And from a bowling perspective in my side, Ellis and Ty have had since the start of the season. They're just not quite having the impact I want. You know, they're not taking enough wickets and not um, being as economical as they can be. So like anyone, a few things you're happy with, a few things you would like to tidy up moving forward. Yeah, that's all right, mate. You're lingering pretty well there for a potential uh, title defence. Bit of work to do, but but tracking okay. Um, mate, you're not spot on with Worrell. I, I didn't get him in. I, I tossed and turned and was going to get him. Uh, then ended up going Renshaw over him for whatever reason that might have been. But I think uh, he did the switcheroo with Billy Stanley between I think, the Stars and Strikers last season. Uh, and at the moment, the Strikers are the big winners out of that one. My side, the mighty Kuma Stallions, not so mighty at the moment. We've had a pretty slow start to the season. Not a lot's gone right. Um, it's pretty well summed up by AJ Ty, my big pod to start the year. Tom, I think you're an owner as well, and <clears throat> we spoke about him. We recorded the last podcast just before the final game of the round last round, and it was the the Scorchers game, um, and the Scorchers batted first. So Ty didn't get to bat, and then it was rained out about an over into the inning. So Ty didn't bowl and got about two points there. Um, and then last night's game against the the Thunder, he had the world's most obvious caught behind. Would have been a wicket, a few handy points, uh, and the umpire umpy missed it. No points for Ty. Went wicketless again. So mate, dead set. Ty summing it up. Um, but nonetheless, we'll move on to this week. Uh, in today's episode, with Christmas coming up, we're going to. There's a quick turnaround between round four and five, uh, and the big thing is there's no double game weeks in round four or round five. The next double games are in round six, so we're basically going to tie two rounds worth together so that we can sit back and enjoy our Christmas and Boxing Days and and all that sort of stuff. Um, and basically, we're just going to sit down and go through a team by team analysis of all the players that we're eyeing off um, for the next two weeks with no double gamers to worry about. We'll do our bold predictions for the week, talk about our trades and our skipper options for the next few weeks, then finish up with a few questions. Guys, if you are interested in the SC Playbook subscription package and wanted uh, wanted to support the site, for $20 you can get our Big Bash package, which will take you through the whole tournament. Um, and if you're into the NRL Supercoach as well, for $40 you can get the entire package for the cricket and uh, NRL season next year as well. If you're more into the podcast, uh, you can donate um, via the article that holds the podcast as well if you're interested. Fellas, let's get stuck into our team-by-team analysis. We're going to look at picking about a player from each side we're looking at for the next couple of rounds. Um, We might have a couple more, and we'll talk about a few popular players that we might not be as keen on. We'll start with the Sydney Thunder, and fellas, I'm going to start with the obvious one in Ollie Davies, who hit 36 off 22 on debut. He had three sixes in that. It was a really, really good knock for a debutant. He was the talk of the preseason. His bargain price... I mean, I'm probably saving the time and say that we're all going to be looking at him. And the beauty of Ollie Davies going into round four is that the Thunder play the first game of the round. So we can pick him. Uh, and if for some reason he doesn't get picked again for that match, we can drop him out, which is a blessing for us. Tomo, what are your thoughts to the Thunder and who are you eyeing off there? Yeah, um, Ollie Davies is an interesting one, isn't he? Because for the first game, he was fantastic and hit a number of sixes. Um, the only thing I'm a bit concerned about him is the role and the job security because um, when Alex Ross comes back, as good as Davies was, does he stay at number four? Adding into that fact that Sam Billings is going to turn up and play for them at some stage. So as good as he looked, I'm just worried about where he's going to play slash if he's going to play moving forward. So he's one I'd have to look at and consider. Um, for me, the Thunder... It's still about Daniel Sams for me. 
He didn't bat last night, so it showed that his batting heroics a game ago is not going to happen all that often. But it's nice to see that he can whack a few sixes if required. I want him at some stage, as I've said before. The earlier, the better. He's a proven performer and can score. So from the Thunder, I want Daniel Sams. Mate, one hypothetical on on Ollie Davies. Um, as I said, he plays the first game of the round. If he's batting at number named about at number five, he's in that team. Alex Ross will likely be back, so he comes in and bats at four. Will you be picking him up if he's at number five, or are you happy to avoid and probably avoid those those potential price rises just due to job security? Yeah, if he was any, any lower than four, I would probably at this stage be looking elsewhere. And Tomo, question on Daniel Sams. Um, he's he, he entered round three with a negative break even after going bonkers in round two. Um, so matter, no matter what he did, he was going to be earning money this week and rising in value. Uh, had a not a great round supercoach-wise, but he will be around about 220-odd K when prices do update. Mate, for a bloke who, as you mentioned, there's a big chance he, he may not bat in a game, so that he might just be a bowler. Is that price tag of around 220K an issue for you, or are you just happy to lock him in? Look, it is a bit of an issue, and I would love him cheaper. I'm just concerned that if I keep waiting and waiting and waiting for him to come down price, I'd never really have him in my side. So it is a massive issue. I don't really want to pay it, but I might have to. Yeah, fair play to you, mate. Uh, Fish, who do you like at the Thunder? Yeah, I think I'm tossing up Sam's two, and I'm tossing up a fellow all-rounder in Ben Cutting. I think just having watched the game last night, uh, Cutting looked pretty good with the bat. Uh, he seemed to sort of have found his feet a little bit there and uh, be um, striking the ball pretty well while he was moving around the crease. And uh, I think a good sign with his bowling too was he seemed to be varying his pace nicely, which is uh, quite quite important for him because um, otherwise he can be uh, a little bit expensive at times. So I'm probably going to toss up between one of either Cutting or Sam's, um, even though, as, as we pointed out in the preseason, Cutting scores can really fluctuate at times. Um, and, uh, yeah, I... I probably still like Davies if he does even bat down the order a little bit. I think he'll probably come in at about 60K. I'm going to be looking for a cheapie. His dual position and uh, I think his form is good, obviously, in the most recent match and was good in Premier Cricket coming into the season as well. So, uh, you know, I just like to, to disagree with the dual in Tomo uh, <laughs> just to make myself look silly. But, yeah, no, plenty of cheers from the Thunder. Yeah, Mate, fair call. Disagree. <laughs> yeah, so fair call. Um, we just touch on cutting. Um, he bowled, I think, from memory, three overs last night, and Chris Green bowled one. Mm. How often? Because I haven't watched a lot of Thunder this year live. How often do you think Cutting's going to bowl that magical three overs? I think it's going to depend on how his first one or two overs go, which is the real risk there. So I guess that's what I'm going to be tossing out, but with between him and Sam's. Sam's, you got your, your guaranteed four overs, you would think. Uh, however, he does bat a little bit lower than cutting and and Sam's being a little bit more expensive, uh, whereas cutting actually came in at five last night and will we'll probably tend to bat around that five or six mark. So if anything, you I, I think with the point scoring, you, you probably want to lean towards the bowlers. Uh, so Sam's for me is a, is a great... VC and captain option, which is going to make things even, even more difficult. But, you know, sometimes it's worth a risk. Yeah, all good shouts, fellas. Um, and there are a lot of options at the Thunder, particularly with Ollie Davies. I, I think I'm with you, Fish, with Davies. Um, at, at around about that 60K price bracket, if he's named about at, say, four or five, you don't even necessarily have to play him in your starting team, but he should make good cash there. And more importantly, he'll free up cash to do our other big trades and get in the, the higher price guys like Daniel Sands into our side. Um, the other guy who impressed me last night was the Kiwi, Adam Milne. We've seen him a bit of him um, in the international scene before as well, but uh, mid-140Ks, he was hitting a really good line and length. There wasn't much erratic bowling in him. None for 17 off four overs, so super economical. He's only 125K, so obviously without any wickets there, uh, there's not going to be really a price jump or anything. He's a guy I'll probably give one more week just to have a look at, but um, I thought Milne was really, really impressive um, and, and could be an option going forward. 
Fellas, let's jump across to the Sydney Sixers. And Jason Holder's a guy I'm interested in, um, not necessarily personally, but I'm interested to get your thoughts on him. I think he's the number one all-rounder in world T20 cricket. Um, do we see him as a – I know he's only got a couple of games left in him, but do we see him as a pod for a couple of rounds or not? He's 2% ownership. Um, the issue is he batted at seven for the Sixers. He's pretty expensive and he only bowled two overs. Uh, I'll start with you, Tomo. Any interest in Holder at all and also who's taking your interest at the Sixers? Yeah, on Holder, I just I can't bring myself to pick someone that's only going to be here for a short stay. I, I have to have people that are going to be here for at least half, if not all, the tournament. So I can't pick someone that's going to be there for such a short amount of time. The Sixers are a really interesting side. Maybe it's my bias, Sixers um, opinion, but they have a lot of... I don't know if I'd say weapons, but they have a lot of people that can chip in um, depending if it's with the bat and the ball. So there's a lot of people to consider before their double game coming up next. Um, Enriquez, if he comes bat and bats high, is pretty reasonably priced, and for a double, he's been all right for him. Hughes is batting in the middle order and he's okay. He's not doing anything spectacular. But on the double, if he was promoted to open, is someone at a cheaper sort of price that could interest. Philippi I have in my side at the moment from the start, um, but he's been a little bit hit and miss, so he's not someone I would necessarily bring in. And the, the, the Sixers have bowlers that can all chip in with not bags, but a couple of wickets. So, you know, Benny Dorsch is someone that, not last game, but the opening couple of games took um, multiple wickets. And Stephen O'Keefe is someone that if the Sixers play all right, generally he's been economical and picked up a wicket or two. So on the double, he might not be the worst. So there's no one in the Sixers that's really standing out for me. They have a few intriguing options coming up. You're right, mate. There's not a lot of stars at the Sixers, but there's just a lot of really good contributors. Mate, um, are you a Dan Christian owner? And regardless, he's going to be onwards of about 150K when prices update. He batted at five last night, which is massive for his super coach credentials. If he's batting at five and bowling, he's sort of three to four overs. Um, he's just a serious, serious option. Mate, do you think he's a must-have? He'll be pretty close to a must-have for round six, but is he a must-have for the next couple of weeks before his price rises dramatically? Or can you, can you wait a couple of weeks to buy him for the double? Yeah, I've had him since the start, so I'm really um, happy with him. Um, he's in form, and you don't want to really ignore players that are in form. Uh, he's not guaranteed to bat a lot of time or bowl three or four overs each game, but I reckon there's a pretty good chance that he's either going to bat well or bowl. So I don't know if I'd have must-have, but he's pretty close to it in my opinion. Yep. Uh, I'll jump over to you, Fish. Mate, I, I want your, your thoughts on Dan Christian as well as far as being a must-have goes um, and who's taking your eye there. Yeah, for sure. Look, I, I don't think Christian's a must-have. I'd probably, be if I didn't have him, I'd be inclined to maybe wait until the Sixers double game week. Uh, I think, as Tomo sort of spoke about, the number of different all-rounders there uh, sort of means that he's not necessarily guaranteed his number of overs or to bat high in the order. So I, I think the, the, the play there would be to wait on him. Uh, for others I'm looking at, I, I quite like Steve O'Keefe. So he uh, comes in sort of relatively affordable, although his price is probably on the way up. But before this week, it was about 120K. Um, and before last season, he was sort of effectively a super, super coach gun. So he averaged 62.5 in 2018-19 and around 59 in uh, 2016-17. So, yeah, real good option, I think. Um, won't tend to bat too much, but if he does, he's, he's always a chance of some runs too. So, yeah, sock for me. Yeah, soccer. Uh, I actually wrote about him in my my final word article as a super pod. We look at these super pods at under fish. You do your pod article, which is under sort of you know fifteen twenty percent players. Uh, we got the super pods at under five percent. I had sock in that as well. I quite like him as well. It um he had a negative break even going into this round, owned by only three to four percent of coaches. So I think he's, he's a really good option. Um, Let's move across, Tomo, to the Brisbane Heat. You two are both living in Brisbane at the moment. Um, the local local interest. Tomo, who do you like up there? Uh, 
The Heat, yeah. So they've only played a couple of games. We'll wait to see if anyone um, shows a bit of form tonight. The only Looking at their team list, um, the only one really, he's not even in their side at the moment. He's doing the Australian duty. But Swepson, if he came back, his form for the last few months in different formats has looked pretty good and he's pretty reasonably priced. So if he dropped back to the BBL, he's one that I'd look to bring in. That's the only Heat player that really piqued my interest at the moment. Yeah, mate, I was a bit scarce on Heat players as well, trying to go through the list at who took my interest. I already have uh, Linny, um, who hit a bit of form last week with 99 points. Fish, who do you like up there? Yeah, I think a possible pod could be Majib. I think uh, he's always a chance of picking up a bag of wickets with the ball, and if you can find form, he'll definitely trouble the batsman. He's kind of around that sort of nagging mid-range price, so, so maybe a bit of a, a, a later season pod. Yeah, mate, he was the only one that I sort of took my fancy as well. I don't mind him. He's before tonight's game. He's going in at 117K, so he's super affordable. I mean, he's the second top-ranked T20 bowler in world cricket. Um, the Heat have the double in round eight, which is a long way away, I know, but, you know, something else that entices a little bit. Missed the early couple of games, so he's 3% ownership. He finished last year with a 172-point game, so he has a pretty high set, well, very high ceiling there based on that. Um, so, yeah, he's a guy that I'm definitely interested in. I'll be seeing how he performs tonight, uh, and if he looks for goods, um, I think he's a serious pod to bring in as well. Moving on to the Perth Scorchers, who have burnt me pretty badly early on, all that's only AJ Ty. Um, there's still a lot of good Supercoach options there if they can hit their straps and avoid wet weather. Um, Tomo, who do you like there? Yeah, there's a few people at Perth that sort of um, are worth a look at, I think. I think the opening bowling combination of um, Richardson and Berendorf Early on against the Thunder last night, they both looked pretty dangerous, so they'd be both worth a shout. And they're the sort of players, too, that can take a bag of wickets and produce those high scores if they're really on. Um, it was also mentioned on the broadcast last night that the Perth Scorchers' top order is not going great at the moment, but Turner and Marsh in the middle order, especially last night, looked all right. Um and it was floated, I can't remember who it was, but it was floated on the commentary that maybe they should be promoted a little bit out, up the order. Now, I'm not sure if that's going to happen per se, but, you know, players in form are always worth a look. And I think I was reading just recently this morning that Marsh may start to bowl soon. And I don't think he's going to bowl three or four overs. But as we know, if you can bowl one to two and pick up an odd wicket, um, that's always a good thing. Hardy is their fifth bowler, got a wicket last night, but the Thunder batsman targeted him at different stages too. So there could be a couple overs floating around there for Mitch Marsh. Not always, but just now and again. So there's a couple there, but Mitch Marsh might be the most likely I would be to pick up from their team at the moment. Tomo, are you going to cut ties with AJ Ty or are you going to hold on to him? He's plummeting a bit of cash after a few after a poor start to the season. What are you doing with Ty? Yeah, good question. Um, I've got no idea. Um, he could have had two wickets last night. He should have had one against Kawaja. And then Mitch March dropped that difficult chance. Look, you don't want to jump off too early in BBL, so I think he might be there for a week or two more. It just depends on what other issues pop up. But I'm not sure, but if I had to, at this early stage, say what I'm going to do, I think he might get another week or two. I'm a bit with you, mate. I think if you're trading Ty, it's very much the definition of a luxury trade and there won't be any other issues in your side and your place pretty well. But at the price, I think you've just got to back Ty, back his class in to, to jag a few wickets in the next few rounds. Fish, who do you like at this? Where are we? The Scorchers. I like Joe Richardson. I, I think he has looked dangerous with the ball, even though he hasn't really got the returns yet. And I think he actually batted around six last night, so they might have put him up as a bit of a a pinch hitter and I know he does go okay with the bat at times so yeah I'd be uh, definitely keeping an eye on him as a as a gun and uh, as a as a non-tie owner uh, yeah happy to uh, see some of the unfortunate things that, that have been happening with him but I, I reckon you're right he's, he's all class so hopefully he turns it around for you. Mate Jai Richardson was the man I jotted down as well who, who I really really like he's at around about 160k 
Um, he came in at number six last night, which was as soon as I saw him walk out to the crease uh, in that pinch hitting role. He came in during the second over of the power surge, so hence why he came in above Cam Bancroft, who ended up playing a pretty good innings. He's obviously not going to bat that every week, but he is a guy that the Scorchers have obviously shown they're willing to bring him in as that pinch hitter, which is just massive to his super coach credentials. Um, he bowled at the death last night as well. He's a really, really good option, potentially a little bit expensive, but we know he can take wickets as well. So I think Richardson's a serious, serious watch for the next few weeks and a guy that I'm considering as soon as this week, but hopefully he had a little bit of a price drop before doing that. Yeah, and we'll, I think we'll cover captains later, but someone like Joe Richardson, if you're looking to make up some grounds, uh, could be a real good option there because uh, he'd, he'd be very low ownership, I believe. That's it. If he can, if he can come in and, and jag two or three wickets, end in a pinch hitting role, we'll hit twenty odd runs with the get the strike rate bonus. Um, there's a big, big ceiling there. So also a really good vice captaincy option, I think. Mm. Let's move on to the Melbourne Renegades, who have the round six double along with the Sixers. They're the next team on the double uh, in two to three weeks' time. Rounds time, should I say? The, the rounds move pretty quickly in SuperCoach. Um, Mate, heaps and heaps of options, I think, at the Renegades. We won't go through them all this week because we don't have enough time and we'll go through them in depth before that round six podcast. Tomo, who do you like at the Renegades? Yeah, I'm with you there, mate. There's a few intriguing options because they've got that double coming up soon. If I had to pick up one name, it's Mohamed Nabi. Um, first game back, so you're never going to produce your best first up, but he did enough for me. Batting at number five, made 14 runs and bowled his three overs. There's not many this year true all-rounders that have the ability in the same game with both bat and ball, and he's one of a very few, so that is a really good thing in his favour. When he hit form last season, he took a little bit of time, but when he did hit form, he scored 155 and 166 super coach points. Um, so I'm not sure in regards to his availability for the whole tournament because Afghanistan later on in January do play some international cricket. But a true all-rounder, Mohamed Nabi is one that I'm watching very closely. As soon as this week, mate, this round, or are you thinking a little bit closer to that round six double? Uh, yeah, still undecided, but you'd want it definitely before the round six double. Leaning towards at his price, waiting a little bit, um, but if you pull the trigger at this early stage, I don't think that's a silly move. Yeah, huge, huge past our Supercoach scores that we've seen, particularly last year. Last year was his big year, um, so a massive option. Uh, Fish, what have you got for us, mate? I think maybe Sam Harper could be a bit of a different play in the wicketkeeper position. Uh, his price will be on the way up from now since he scored 80 in the game against the Hurricanes, 80 super coach points that is. And, you know, just a, a bit of a different option. I think a lot of people are probably going to be looking at Ben McDermott either holding Alex Carey or might already have Philippi. So, yeah, nice possible pod leading into the double game weeks. And, yeah, there's just a wealth of double game week options. So if you want to get a lot of players who are going to take that up, you're probably going to have to start bringing Renegades and Sixers in now and Harper's the sort of player who you could get who other people probably won't have when we get to week six. Mm. And and when we do get to week six, it'll be Philippe, it will be such a massively owned player. <clears throat> Harper could be that really, really good antipod play um, to go against Philippe. It'd take a brave man, but if Philippe flunks out and Harper gets runs, mate, that'd be a huge um, play on the rest of the super coach, wouldn't it? Yep, yep, that's what I'm thinking. I'm not sure if I'm that brave myself, but, yeah, something to think about. Yep, uh, I've eyed off a few there, I think. Not until, I think, round six, but Sean Marsh is a guy who struggled early on and he's going to be cheap for his um, for his class and his standards come round six. So I'm going to be eyeing him off closer to that round six and probably in round six. But a couple of guys I've dwell, I've gone on about a little bit in the past podcast, but Aaron Finch, I won't go into to detail about him. He missed this round game due to getting a rest. I'm pretty sure he was just missing the one game and will be back for round four, but uh, await confirmation on that and just check that. I won't go on about him because we know what he's capable of with the bat. We know how big he can go. Um, but the other guy who, again, apologies for repeating myself, uh, but Kane Richardson, he's only at 10% ownership, but last three years he's averaged 56, 75, 67. In 2018-19, he had 14 games for six tons and 95 and a top score of 174. 
And in eight games last year, he had scores of 134 and 145. So he's had a good start to this campaign, solid enough, opened up in round one with about an 89-odd. Um, he's a guy that I'm looking at big time this week because when you keep talking about him, um, it's almost a little bit soft to not actually consider buying him properly. So I really like Kane Richardson uh, as soon as this week. Um, moving on to the Melbourne Stars, we'll still have probably a handful left in our teams after that early double rounder. Tomo, you start us off, mate, and give us your thoughts on Marcus Stoinis because we just hit publish on your guns to target and avoid article, uh, and Stoinis is one that you've left out. He he's is getting a rest as well from the Stars and will miss this week's game, but firstly, you're not keen on Stoinis, and who are you keen on at the Stars? Yeah, Marcus Stoinis missing the game, their next game. Uh, additionally to the fact there, you know, he's an opening batsman. And just as a hunch, I've got no stats to back this up, but just as a hunch, some teams I reckon are doing quite well from a bowling perspective in the power play and some openers are struggling early on. You know, Dan Worrell's looked good bowling early, James Faulkner, Benny Dorshus. There's been quite a few teams that looked good in the power play. So openers aren't getting off to as good a start, I believe, compared to other years. I've got no stats to back that up, but that's just a gut feel. So Stoinis, um, I think he's going to bowl at some stage. So, you know, for his to maximum point scoring potential, you'd want to see him possibly bowling some overs. You can pick him just as a batsman, but... If, you know, if he's not going to bowl, there could be some better options out there. In terms of the stars, one fellow I've traded out that I'll look to get back in at some stage is Maxi. Um, look, he can go large. And as captain, he likes to bowl himself a couple of overs. So as well as the batting potential, he's going to bowl a couple of overs and any sort of wicket he got when he's bowling would just be a bonus. So Maxi's one that I traded out. I'll look to get in at some stage. Yeah, I actually I held on to Maxi um, over their buy this week, and I was a little bit surprised that more more teams didn't hold on to Maxi. Obviously, his ownership uh, levels will be a little bit skewed because there'll be a lot of sleepers out there who had him in round one um, who are probably not playing anymore. But yeah, I held on to him. Um, and a good point on Stoyness. I think having now had this rest, the chat from the start of the tournament was that he would look to be, be bowling a few games into the tournament. So when he comes back from this week off, uh, and it'll be a couple of weeks off because the Stars had the buy. If he comes back bowling, he'll be a huge play. Uh, Fish, who have you got at the stars for us? Yeah, I had the similar dilemma with Maxwell and Coulton Isle, and I decided to hold Coulton Isle. So, yeah, feeling very nervous about watching Maxwell this round, uh, especially given that he's owned by nearly 73% of teams, albeit that some of those are sleeper teams. Uh, but I'm kind of leaning more towards Coulton Isle as a, as a bowling all-rounder, and I guess we saw what he can do in round one with that 160-point score in, in one game. So, yeah, I'm banking on NCN to, to deliver for my team. Um, I'm really not sure what I'm going to do about Maxi yet. Uh, it's a bit complicated to get him in for the next two rounds for me, I think, unless I'm going to use him as a captain. Uh and outside of that, I've probably moved on a little bit from the Stars players. Um, Nick Maddinson is still relatively cheap at around 83000 uh, and looked to be in decent touch. So he could be another one if, if you're looking for a, a relatively cheap batsman. Yep. Let's jump into the Adelaide Strikers who obviously play the second game of their double tonight. So we will be going a little bit early on our calls on that. Fellas, it'll be we'll obviously be looking to move on a lot of their players for next over the next couple of rounds. Probably more importantly at the strikers rather than who who you're looking at buying because you're already going to own them. Tomo, who are the strikers that you'll be looking to hold on to over the next few weeks? Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, mate, because they've had that double. So most teams have been looking to bring them in. They've had this sort of strikers flavour to their team. So you're probably not going to bring any of them in in the short term future or probably even the medium or long term. Um, look, who am I looking to hold? Um, probably Worrell. I mean, I, just, I thought it would only be for this round, but he performed well again. And um, he, I presume he's got some more money to make. So he's one I'll probably be looking to hold. Jakey Wetherill, hopefully he goes big tonight and he's done my team a good service, so he's done his bit and he can go. Now, I can't believe I'm really saying this, but Rashid Khan, 
he's been okay, but he's not taking as many wickets. So depending on how it goes tonight, boys, am I crazy or is he one to consider trading out because he's not taking that many wickets and he hasn't had a large amount of opportunities with the bat, but with the bat he hasn't looked as dynamic compared to previous seasons. Would you boys look at keeping Khan? Would he be one player you'd look to trade out? Because there's a bit of money there. Mm. Yeah. I'll call crazy. What do you reckon, Fish? <laughs> yeah, not crazy, but I am hoping a lot of people trade him out so he becomes a pod. <laughs> yeah, there's no way I'll be trading him out. But uh, you, you did say, Tomo, for, in last week's Guns to Target and Avoid article, um, sell Darcy short. When I read that, I was thinking a little bit the same. Um, and Darcy got about three points. So you're on the money there, so you could be onto something. Yeah, funny I listened to my own advice, eh? Yeah. Um, Fish, who do you reckon you'll be holding on to from your, of your strikers contingent? Yeah, I'm probably looking at Khan and or Worrell, but at the moment my trade plans actually have me trading out every strikers player that I have. Um, I'm probably going to have to make a decision between holding Khan and Short. And I'll probably be looking to to actually bank in on Worrell's cash rises, but give him the extra week. So look at moving him out, sort of more around that round five, round six time to get some more sixes and renegades. Yeah, the uh, the two that I'll be holding, pretty obvious ones, but well, not that obvious anymore after Tomo's dropped. But Rashid Khan will not be leaving my team probably for the remainder of the tournament as long as he's playing. Uh, and Alex Carey as well. I reckon I'll be looking to hold on to him until that round six double where maybe I'll look to get in uh, Philippe, I dare say, for that. But I just thought, I know he's out of tonight's game, Carey, which is a huge blow. It's an even bigger blow for anyone who threw the skipper on him. Um, you'd just be absolutely devastated by that. Um, but he does look just an absolute class above a few of these guys out there and a few of these bowlers. So looking to hold on to Carey. Uh, Tomo, the Hurricanes, um, a few of them, a few appealing options there. I know you've written a little bit about a few of them in the past few weeks. Um, firstly, I want to ask you, touching on Darcy Short again, you called it last week not to buy him. Um, are you looking to sell Darcy Short? Am I looking to sell Darcy Short? I should have last week and listened to my own advice. Um, you've got to be brave. You've got to be brave. He's not bowling as much um, and his form with the batter's a bit shaky. But, yeah, it's brave. It frees up a lot of cash. I think the only time you would sell him is if you're going to sell him to someone that's an absolute gun on a double. So if I could orchestrate it, and we know there's not a um, doubles for a couple of weeks, but if you could sell him to a gun on a double, that's the only time I think I would consider doing it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, mate. Um, and who has taken your interest at the Hurricanes? Look, it's all about one fella from me there. It's Ben McDermott. So after a delayed start, you know, he went and did his Australia A um, duty. He did well in the warm-up games. He's been batting up the order in that number three role, and he scored runs in his two innings, 46 first knock, then 89 not out. He doesn't have the schedule in his favour. It's a shame for us super coaches. He doesn't have the schedule in his favour. They have, they've had their double game round, but any time a player is in a purple patch of form, it's a good start to bring them in. Um, as alluded to earlier on the podcast, wicket keepers have been a bit up and down. Philippi's had one great knock and two not so great knocks. Um, Fish said Harper could be a pod, and he certainly played well last game. Hanscom and Fletcher, for those that took them in the early doubles, they didn't prove too fruitful. Inglis is not doing much. I mean, by far and away, he's the most consistent wicketkeeper um, so far in the tournament, um, if only he started the tournament for us. But, yeah, I'm still considering him because he's a player in form. Mm, that's it, mate. And he's, he's only going to be about uh, 120K when the lockout does end. Um, so still very affordable there. 12% of teams at the moment that will obviously likely jump after this round. But... Mate, serious, serious option. Fish, what have you got? Yeah, I think just furthering the comments about McDermott, the real benefit for anyone who doesn't own Philippi as well is that you can get McDermott in 
ride his price rises for the next couple of rounds and then uh, hopefully he'll be a, a pretty much a straight swap to Philippi if, if you want to make that, that move, which would be pretty enticing. Uh, in terms of others, uh, there's not a whole lot that I've looked at. I've, I've moved on pretty well. I mean, one that could be a little bit left field, funnily enough, is, is Will Jacks if he continues to drop in price. He may end up being below 100K and then actually finding form towards the back end of the tournament. Uh, and if he can start to pick up the occasional over or two, uh, we've seen what his stats were like over in England when he was given the opportunity. It's just a question of opportunity. And I, I think, funnily enough, him playing in the same team as Short, they, they've kind of hurt each other's super coach scores. Uh, so if either one of those wasn't available, uh, the other one could be an absolute gun because they'd probably pick up the additional spinovers as well as uh, continuing to open the batting. But, yeah, I'll be keeping an eye on Jax just to see if he can turn it around later on. Timmy, thoughts on Jax? Yeah, um, saw point for me there, fellas, because I I held on to him this round, same as you, Fish, a little bit of confidence on him based on what he'd done in in England despite a slow start over here. Um, He started bowling for them and, and getting a few overs, and it's a really good point you make about um, how him him and Short are sort of countering each other because they're taking overs away from each other. Um, you know, they're two quite explosive batsmen at the top of the order. Uh, it's it's really it's a really frustrating one because he bowled an absolute gem of an over against the Renegades there, only a couple off it, and he looked good. So you're kind of thinking, oh, if you could just get that third over in to get that economy rate bonus and maybe Jared the odd wicket, um, he there's a big score around the corner for him. But it's about how much he can hurt you in that time. So there's a little bit of value gone out of him now. He'll drop below sort of about that 110K mark. So how much value is there in the trade? Uh, I'm on the fence whether I, I do hold or sell. But the fact that he has started bowling and he's looking all right, um, and I think he's bowling better than Darcy Short, I am tempted to hold on to Will Jacks. But it is a little bit of a tough one there. Um, and the only other one was... James Faulkner has been immense this tournament so far. A couple of opportunities with the bat, hasn't done too much. But he's opening the bowling with them big in-swingers and, boy, he's looking good. So I just think he's really, really expensive, Faulkner, for a bloke who is batting a fair way down the order. Um, So probably not for me. Yeah, and the other thing is he seemed to drop down to number eight in the last match, which isn't a great sign. I I really liked him to start the season, but uh, that was on the basis that he'd at least pick up a few runs from batting points, which he hasn't done yet, um, even though he's been outstanding with the ball. Yeah, exactly right. There was sort of the hope that, uh, well, prior to the tournament, I thought there was a chance Faulkner might have batted a little bit further up the order. I thought Dan Christian might have been down the order a little bit. Uh, It's gone the opposite way. So there's no reason why you can't have both of them. Um, but I think you can get Dan Christian at a cheaper price than Faulkner, quite substantially cheaper this week. Um, so I'd probably go in Christian ahead of Faulkner if I was to choose between the two. Fellas, let's jump into our round four bold predictions. Uh, we would recap last round's bold predictions, but a lot of them were revolving around those strikers players tonight. Um, so we'll have to we'll do that over social media over the next couple of days and see how we've gone. Tomo, I'll start with you, mate. Um, your bold predictions for round four. Sure thing, mate. And again, uh, hopefully they're a bit bolder this week. I've got Sam's to go big versus the Renegades um, with ball or bat, but I think he's going to produce a score of over 125. I think he's going to go big in one game via the Renegades. I can't believe I'm making this a bold prediction, but I think Worrell, the way he was just swinging that new ball, and I'm pretty sure they play Perth, and the Perth's top order has been a bit hit and miss. So I reckon he's going to take two overs, two wickets, sorry, in a dev- devastating spell. And my last one, bold but also wishful thinking, Philippi's gone low, high, low. Following that pattern, I think he's going to go high this week, and I reckon he's going to carve up the stars and make over 50 runs. They're my three predictions for this week. Mate, definitely bold enough. 125 from Sam's in a single game. Um, you've, re- you've really jumped up, and it's what we like to see in bold predictions, something a little bit risque, um, and things you wouldn't have thought you'd be saying at the start of the tournament. A devastating spell from Dan Wild to just come in and tear them apart um, with a few wickets to him. But I like it a lot, mate. Fish on debut, high-pressure stakes here. What have you got for your bold predictions? 
Yeah, sure. So I think Muhammad Nabi will go 120 plus and make us all rush to get him in if we haven't already. I think Nathan Coulton Isle will score his second score above 150. Uh, that, that may be slightly biased given that he's in my team. And uh, I think Josh Philippi will uh, score in single figures, uh, devastating Tomo and uh, making him very affordable for everyone else leading into the uh, round six double game week. Well, one of us will be right, so it's good for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mate, they are some of the boldest predictions I have ever heard on this podcast, particularly when you consider someone like Philippi, who only needs to take a catch behind the stumps to beat to get to more than single figures. Uh, mate, but that's what we want. That is uh, right up there. And I should have asked you after me because I feel soft now chatting, but um, I'm going to bump mine up just that little bit after what you boys have said. I'm going to go Aaron Finch, who I think is going to come out. He's set to explode. I love what he did in the Indian series, um, despite a slow start to Big Bash. He's going to get a lot of runs and he's going to go 100-plus super coach. Um, a little bit of a speculative one, but I talked up Adam Milne earlier. He just he really impressed me uh, last night. So I think Milne can come out and go 100-plus as well um, with a huge economy rate, a couple of wickets in there, who knows. And then more of a death ride one because he's a guy I didn't get on all tournament. I, I caught him as a must-have for the double game week, but Tim David – who, funnily enough, doing a bit of research, born in Singapore, has played a stack of internationals for Singapore, which is news to me for especially a bloke named Tim David. Um, Timmy David is going to get under 15 points this week, and I won't feel as bad about not owning him. Fellas, let's jump into our trades for round, probably more so round four, um, but round five if you've got them as well. But as we said, there's no double game weeks in the next two weeks. So who are the guys at this stage, it is early on, plenty can change, but that you'll be looking at bringing in uh, and maybe the guys that you're looking to move out, Tomo? Uh, yeah, so over the next um, couple of rounds, I'll look to move on the majority of my strikers players. And the other one I'm looking to trade at is Ellis. You know, he's been okay, but not overly economical and not taking enough wickets. He's sort of bowling the right side of overs, but it's just not happening for him. So he's one that I'll probably look to trade out. In terms of trade-ins, look, I'm probably going to go a bit early in a few players, but Narby and Sam's are people that I'd look to bring in. McDermott's one that I'd look to bring in. And our mate, Noor Ahmed, he took that wicket on Dabu. He looked okay. All he needs to do at his price is take a wicket. So he's someone that I'd look to bring in to my side uh, coming up very shortly. What about you, boys? Yeah, great shout, mate. Um, Ahmed's a guy we sort of overlooked a little bit um, in the podcast so far, but it really, really good chat. And at his price, um, I know I think he's only got a few more games left in him. But when you bring in a cheapie like that who's set to rise in value, you know he's not going to be in your team for the majority of the tournament anyway. So not a bad call at all. Um, Fish, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm looking to move on a lot of those strikers players, and probably this week looking to set my team up. Uh, sort of longer term and make sure I've got a good captain for, for rounds four and five, um, which probably means I'll be looking at Sam's in, instead of cutting, uh, but still tossing that one up. Uh, ben McDermott seems an obvious choice to, to capture those price rises and, and capitalise on his form. And, uh, yeah, Ollie Davies I, I like, um, although um, Tomo's got me thinking about Ahmed. Uh, was um, I was a little bit surprised to see Hatsoglu um, miss out because I thought he bowled pretty well in the first couple of games, but um, obviously Ahmed's an exceptional talent and they wanted to, to give him a run. Uh, in the following week, I think I'll be looking to um, bring in a lot of those Renegades players that we've already spoken about in terms of Richardson, uh, Nabi, Finch and, and Marsh, just picking the right ones of those and Players I'm looking to get out, I think Kerry will go for me this week. Um, bit of a ineffective trade in that one, uh, but wanted to get his double game week. Uh, I think Siddle's price rises will be done so he can go. Um, <clears throat> Phil Salt uh, was a gamble which uh, could still pay off if he can get another good score in this game, but uh, he's kind of too risky to play in, in the on-field team for me, so I'll be happy to get rid of him. Um, round five, I think Worrell may be starting to max in price at that point, although he's in such good form, he, he may be a potential hold. 
Um, so I'll be tossing him up. Uh, Coulter Nile I might need to get rid of just to free up some cash. And again, to free up cash, I may need to get rid of one of Rashid Khan or Darcy Short. So probably players I don't really want to get rid of. But if I want to get in some of these guns from the Renegades uh, or the Sixers the following week, uh, I'm going to have to do it. So that's what I'm looking at. Sure. Yeah, cool, mate. Um, Would you, Fish, thinking of the Renegades and you, Timmy, as well, I like your opinion on this, would you be going both Finch and Marsh or in your team or would you be leaning to one towards the other? Because they'll both be popular picks over the next couple of rounds. Does anyone have an opinion on if you do both? Yeah, I I do. I think, uh, I mean, Sean Marsh has started pretty slowly this season, but his record overall in Big Bash is incredible like he averages something like 45 and when he gets in his strike rate is pretty typically above 120 so I mean the the two scenarios are that he continues this streaky run of form and um, comes in uh, price under 100k or he recaptures it and you you, you have, almost have to get him so yeah I'm, I'm still looking to get both and Finch yeah, would be too risky to leave out for me as well. Yeah, I am i don't mind it when you're p- picking two batsmen from the same team. As long as they're batting, as long as they're both opening or batting at sort of number three, I think it's fine. I think the risk is when you have sort of an opener and then maybe number four or five batsmen that are starting in your, your supercoach side. Um, and then if, say, you know, say Marsh was batting at five and or even four, Finch was opening and Finch hit 100 runs, it might limit the opportunity of Marsh uh, and they can really sort of be counterproductive towards each other. But when they're both batting top of the order, I'm happy to have them both in my side personally. So um, I think, yeah, Shawnee Marsh for that round six game looks a really good option alongside Finch who will be massively, massively owned. And listening to you boys chat throughout the podcast, I'm getting the idea that the decision to hold like the, the guys like Darcy Short, Rashid Khan, who have massive ceilings but probably haven't performed as we've hoped for so far, along with the decision to get Glenn Maxwell back in your team, um, could have massive impact on overall rankings in the next few weeks because we know how high they can go, um, but there's a lot of money to play with if you do decide to sell them and if they score poorly. So really interesting to see what you guys do with that over the next few weeks uh, in the rest of Supercoach. So it's, it's an interesting one. For me, I'll be looking to get out the likes of Larkin, who's been hanging around like a bad smell on my bench for a couple of weeks now. Matty Renshaw, unless he bowls four overs tonight and takes four wickets. Um, I'm on the fence with Jax as to whether I hold him or sell him, but I dare say he'll be a sell with a bit of value still there. <clears throat> In this round will be Ollie Davies if he's batting at that sort of four or five mark, but to free up some cash, but I don't think he'll be starting in my side. In fact, he nearly definitely won't be. Kane Richardson, I'm pretty keen on this round. Uh, and then Dan Christian, you guys have given me a few uh, different perspectives to consider this week with Christian. Uh, I think I'm finding it a little bit hard not to go with Christian at still a reasonable price, so probably him. Uh, and then ahead of round five, pending availability and probably bowling will be Marcus Stoinis. I'm keen to get back him, him back in with the massive upside. Aaron Finch and Jai Richardson. Uh, I'd like to have another week seeing what the Scorchers do with Richardson in that batting order again, but um, Jai Richardson's one with a fair bit of upside for me as well. Tomo, vice-captains and captains for next round. Who do you like? Yeah, it's a big week with two rounds of single-game weeks. And in terms of vice-captains and captains this year, I don't know if you boys agree, but I reckon it's pretty open there's no one star that you're automatically going to put the VC or C on. So if you take a little bit of a risk and got a VC loophole and got a big score, I reckon you could jump up a bit in the rankings. I think matchups are going to be vital, but you're going to look at players who can go big. Looking at some players that can go big, Sams can go big from a Thunder perspective. Nabi, as we saw, the way he finished off last season, if he's back in form, he can go big. I'm with you on Finch. I think Finch fresh might go okay. Um, Philippi could go big. Maxi, there's lots of options. Um, yeah, it's really, really open. I think I'll have to do a bit of research and it'll come down to matchups for me. Really open. What do you boys think? What do you got, Fish? Yeah, I uh, I like the idea of um, maybe looking a bit in bit more into the matchups of, of bowlers versus batsmen. 
I think there's a lot of standout options in the first game of the next round, which is uh, Renegades and Thunder. You've got Sam's cutting, Narby, uh, any other Renegades play you, you might be bringing in. And I think uh, there's quite a good, quite a few good options from the stars in the in the game the following night, being uh, the likes of Coulter Nile and, and Maxwell. So that's probably what I look to go towards. Christian's also playing in the second game as well, although I still worry a little bit about if um, kind of the game scenario doesn't pan out and he, he doesn't uh, have as much of a role with the bat or ball as you would like. Yeah. It'll, I'm looking really looking forward to the next two weeks. As as much as we love a double game week and maximising those points, uh, teams can be, become a little bit stale and not overly unique. Um, the next two weeks, we should see some a lot of players coming in, a lot of low ownership players, not a lot of teams copying each other. So I think it's going to be really, really fun. And hopefully over the next few weeks, teams do become a lot more unique, even heading into those, those bunch of double game weeks we have coming up. Um Oh, and the fact that there's no double game weeks as well brings the VC loophole for captaincy into play a lot more as well. There are a lot more opportunities to use that um, because generally you have the captain on a double game week player who pretty pretty often will play in that first game of the week. Uh, the one for me I'm looking at is Jaya, sorry, Jaya, Kane Richardson, provided I bring him in as my VC in the first game of the round between the Thunder and Renegades. And my skipper who I wasn't too sure about only because I thought he'd be quite popular, is Glenn Maxwell. But again, haven't spoken to you two um, as guys who have sold Maxi and aren't necessarily getting him back in. Um, I see him a bit more as certainly not a pod skipper, but um, not as popular as I thought he might have been. So I think Maxi will be the captain for me at this stage. Um, and then going forward, as we said, plenty and plenty of options. Fellas, let's take a few questions, then we'll wrap it up for this week's podcast. We'll start with Daniel Riley, who we've touched on it a little bit, uh, and there's a really good article uh, from the Supercoach Spy coming out on this exact question in the next day or so. Um, but he asked what your strategy with the dub without the double game rounds is. So I suppose, you know, will you be looking at getting in many Renegades and Sixers players in the next two rounds, or will you be looking to to take an opportunity to get those pods and those unique players with the big upsides in, Tomo? Uh, at this stage, I think all my trades are going to be a combination of fixing my side and building a bit more depth, a bit of cash generation, and then targeting the doubles. So I think that all trades this week, more next week I'm looking towards doubles, but this week I'm looking for a combination of those. I want depth and options in my side. I want a bit more depth and a few more options. In terms of who I'm looking to get in, I want players that are unlikely to produce that absolute stinker and that just low score that really hurts you. I want players that are going to bowl four overs. And if I am going to choose a batsman, because we know that super coach has sort of a slightly uh, more leaning towards the bowler scoring points, but batsmen can be good um, point scorers. I want someone that's not going to be too reckless and can build an innings. And I just want a player that's in form. Doubles are a chance if you've got someone that's not quite motoring along to find a bit of form. I'd be reluctant to bring someone in for a single game that hasn't shown me much throughout the tournament. Great chat, mate. Good insight there. Um, Fish, what are you thinking? Yeah, that was good from Tomo. No surprises. He, he won a couple of comps. Um, this, he lifted. Yeah. <laughs> this week for me is all about captains. So I really want to make sure I get uh, a good captain option in for the next two weeks. And... The next week for me, similar to Tomo, is, is more about the, the double game weeks. I mean, just thinking about it, I think the guy who actually ticks both boxes is Mohamed Nabi because he plays in the first game this week, I think. Uh, so he's a great VC loophole option, and then you can just hang on to him for the double game weeks. So uh, they're the priorities that I'm looking at. And, uh, yeah, just fixing up one cheapie at least and sorting out the wicketkeeper position probably with McDermott. Nice. Uh, Jackson Danzig asks, plays with ceilings imperative in da da da. It's a bit of a tough question, but mixed form and pedigree with favoured matchups. Um, so a little bit oddly worded, but I think what he's asking is, what plays have huge ceilings that we should be considering? So I mean, there, there's a lot of them out there, and I think Tomo touched on them when he talked about his VC options a little bit uh, just prior. 
But who are the guys with the really big ceilings that can come out and just go whack and hit you, you know, 150 to 200 and get you right up the top of the rankings? Tomo? Yeah, ceiling players. So from a bowling perspective, I'm looking for someone that can pick up a bag of wickets like Siddle did earlier when he picked up his five wickets. So we've seen a bag or a high ceiling there. We've also seen it with the batsman. You know, Philippi had a massive score and McDermott last round had a massive score. So ceilings can come both in bowling and batting form. Uh, I think you need to look at matchups um, in terms of who you bring in. If you're looking for that big score, matchups are important. Yep, like it. Uh, Fish, who do you have, mate? Yeah, I think because of the points scoring changes this year, the ceilings are probably higher within the bowlers, although I don't have any uh, specific stats to back that up other than that, that bowlers tend to be in the in the top averaging players every season. But uh, the, the reasoning for it is that with the changes, batters now have their strike rate uh, bonuses capped. So previously someone who scored 100, 100 off 50 balls would have had uh, the extra 50 points uh, for strike rate plus all the sixes and fours, uh, whereas now they get the extra sort of 20 points for strike rate and I think it's maybe an extra 10 to 20 points for the 50 in the century. So similar scoring but when you when you break it down on how it comes together, it's, it's probably less likely likely to be high ceiling and uh, you see some of these guys like Coulton Isle in the first round who if they can grab a, a bag of wickets uh, just set themselves really up, up really nicely and then you throw in some batting points with that. So I'm definitely going to be looking more towards bowlers. Um, if I was to be looking at a batter, a guy who's been failing a bit lately has been Alex Hales, um, but he has plenty of centuries uh, to his name in the past. So at some stage, he, he could definitely definitely unload and, uh, yeah, go large. Yeah, it's a really good point you make there, Fish, especially regarding regarding the ceilings and probably favouring bowlers more than batters under the new rules. Um, and I suppose the big thing to consider there is not just ceiling players, but when you're picking your vice-captain for the potential vice-captain loophole, um, maybe lean towards bowlers a little bit more as well based on what he said there. It doesn't mean you have to, but just certainly worth considering. Question from Josh Halliday. says, G'day, legends. Hope your teams are going well. Uh, some going far better than others. I'll tell you that much, Josh. How many trades are you going to spend on double game week players versus fixing your team or generating cash? I'm thinking of getting Dwar Shoelace as a definite and then not sure. Thanks. Great bloody name that, mate. Nailed it. Um, so I think we've spoken a little bit about double game week players and whatnot. I think that probably the, the, the thing that stood out to me more in that question that we haven't chatted about as much, uh, which we spoke a lot about throughout the year on the NRL Supercoach podcast, is chasing points versus generating cash. Tomo, I know you spoke before about looking at getting a bit more balance in your team and a bit more depth in your team to give yourself a few more options. Mate, how much consideration are you talking? Are you taking into generating cash as opposed to maybe chasing those big scores, being that it is still pretty early in the Supercoach tournament? Yeah, both are important. But when I'm picking my side, my most important factor is just who's likely to score points. Generating cash is important. Um, but if you keep getting high scores, you're going to generate a bit of cash. So cash generation is important, and that needs to be a consideration when you're doing your trades. But my always fallback option is who's going to score points. Yep, and it's funny, speaking on the NRL podcast, we had a couple of guys who, Walsh and Carlos, Des Creek, who finished first and second in the NRL there, and they had the same idea. Generating cash is vital, very important, but at the end of the day, it, it, it is points that win your super coach and send you up those rankings. Once you're up the rankings, you can make decisions on whether you need to sort of take a few more risks or consolidate your top spot. Um, so probably points is the big one without sort of putting cash generation to the background. What do you reckon about it, Fish? It's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it's been some kind of real thought leadership, I think, yeah, on, on that this year, uh, talking up some of the NRL guys as well. But I, I tend to think with the cash generation, naturally that's more important earlier in the season. And I think it's a lot to do with planning as well. So if there's a guy who you can – get in for cash in a particular position which is help you going to help you get another player then then it does become a lot more valuable but if if you're just worried about generating cash for cash's sake that's that's never going to work out 
Yeah. Fair one, mate. And the last question from Julian Hawkins says, Hey, fellas, tossing up between Faulkner, Sams, and Christian this week, who would you pick based on value as well as expected points output? Uh, so, Tom, I'll start with you. Faulkner, Sams, or Christian? Faulkner's sneaky, isn't he? But he's had his double. <laughs> and Hobart, um, their batting looks strong, so you're relying on the bowling. Sams won't always bat. But he just picks up wickets, especially later on, and as evidence in the second game, he can bat. Christian, uh, Christian, sorry, Daniel Christian can do both. He won't always do both, but he can. The double helps him, so I probably would lean Dan Christian's way. He's like his form. Two out of three games, he's produced some great scores. Um, the only little slight concern is bringing him in um, that he could get rested at some stage with his age, but. Gee, his form is pretty good. Two out of three games, I would go Dan Christian out of those three at the moment. But they're all pretty good options. Love it, mate. Fish, Faulkner, Sams or Christian? Yeah, for me, I had Christian, Sams and Faulkner taking into consideration value, but I'd also consider your captains. And if you're short of a vice-captain option, then Sams could be a decent shout. Uh, and agree, um, yeah, Faulkner... Uh, could continue his great form, um, but we've, we've talked a bit about him already um, regarding the batting. Nice, mate. Yeah, pretty similar. I think I think you've just got to go the upside of Sam's and how good he is, um, but obviously it also comes down to how your squad's set up and how much cash you've got to spend. If cash is an issue, go with Christian, save about 70-odd K there. Um, if you do have a fair bit of money in the bank and a bit to play with, then I think Sam's is your man. Uh, fellas, that is all for today's show. We've covered two rounds worth. We will be back for round six prior to that Sixers and Renegades double. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast leading up to Christmas, and thank you for all of the support. Hope you have an absolute belter. Tomo, thank you, mate. No, thank you very much, fellas. Merry Christmas to all the listeners, and let's hope that we get some super coach luck in the short-term future. Fish, big debut, mate. Thank you. Yeah, cheers, Timmy. Thanks, Tomo. Uh, great fun, and, yeah, best wishes to everyone over Christmas. Yeah, hopefully we're all waking up Christmas morning to an MRF genius under the Christmas tree from old Santa Claus. So we'll see how we go. Thanks for tuning in, guys.